0: What's going on, FCS fans, and welcome to the Football Game Plane FCS Opening Drive Podcast. I am David Hasegan, along with the czar of the playbook, Mr. Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, Dave. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, just catching up. It's been a long weekend, but you know what? I'm ready to go. A lot of football to catch up on. It's been a big, big week. We've had a lot of scores to catch up on, but folks, why aren't you following us already? Come on. This is what we're here for on Twitter. Follow the FCS kickoff. At Fball game plan for my man Emery and FCS opening drive. Don't forget to go to our website, www.FootballGamePlan.com FCS kickoff. We're on iTunes. I mean, come on. It's as easy as going to the app, press it in, give us that five star rating, football game plan podcasts. And we're on YouTube, football game plan, and on the FCS whip around. Actually, we're going to be on FCS stats from now on for the FCS whip around, so make sure to check that out. Go to FCS Stats' website. Check out all of our reporters from around all the conferences for everything you need on FCS football. Like I said, there's a lot to talk about this morning. We got some big upsets again. Two in the top five that I don't think anybody saw coming. Let's go right into the scores. Let's talk about them right now. South Dakota State goes down to number six, Youngstown State. The Penguins
1: don't sleep on the Penguins ever, 19-7. to 7. Tevin McCaster with a big score there. And what's impressive about that game is that Youngstown State is doing it without their starting quarterback. Uh, so they're r- really winning with their ground game. Backup quarterback has done well. And I was mostly impressed with the defensive performance because we talk about South Dakota State's ability with those big three. Uh, yeah. Taryn Christian, uh, Jake Godert, I'm sorry, um, Dallas Godert tight end, and Jake Winicky. So they shut those guys down. So shout-out to Youngstown State, and also shout-out to Brian Chris, the receivers coach over there does a great job. Absolutely. Another big upset, Sam Houston State. We knew they could score points.
0: We were a little questioning about their defense, and Central Arkansas took care of business 41-30. to 30.
1: Big upset for the Bears. It was such a big upset. We opened with their fight song, man. So shout-out to the Bears. And the, the thing was – I remember last week during the preview, I mentioned, hey, they can win this game if they can create turnovers. But I didn't think it could happen because I thought Briscoe does a great job of protecting the football. So shout out to that defense getting turnovers. I think they forced three interceptions and their offense really answered the call by returning the favor by putting points up on the board. 41 points against San Peter State is huge.
0: Absolutely. You know, I love my option football. But here's the problem with option football. If you go behind early, you get caught in a mess. And that's what happened to the Citadel this week. They lose to number 23, Samford,
1: 35-14. It was 28-0 after the first quarter for Samford. Calvin McKnight, man, is one dynamic player, the receiver for yes, Samford. And and here's the thing with option football. You can come back running the football, but that's predicated on the other team not scoring. I don't think the defense of, uh, of the Citadel showed up today. Uh, showed up this week against Sanford because Sanford's offense—they push the pace, they push the tempo. They want to run a lot of plays. Uh, Devlin Hodges is an outstanding quarterback, so the Sittles' offense tried to do what they could do, but their defense really didn't answer the call. And like you said, they were down twenty nothing, quick, real quick.
0: Let's talk about—we had one game that we really were keeping an eye on in the Ivy League. Dartmouth beats Penn, sixteen to thirteen. Defense wins titles, and it showed up in this game. This was back and forth, but real hard-nosed
1: football. Who's so funny? Because I got an email, a text. I'm sorry from the producer of the fcs kickoff mike mccarthy he was like oh my god dartmouth and i'm calling i'm you know i'm calling the high school game at the time so i didn't know <laughs> what happened so by the time i get home and check or get to the hotel and then check the 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 highlights that saturday morning i'm like my goodness that was a great game and shout out to dartmouth dartmouth is three and they have a huge test this week against yale um and again this is not a bad loss for penn penn is a good football team they have yeah. a great receiver and Justin Watson their running game is going to be phenomenal they just ran into a very good defense against Dartmouth I think the big big green are back defensively
0: absolutely got to talk about the governor's
1: cup we talked about it Brown brings it home this year but in a tough game against URI 24-21 yeah I'll be at URI this week um talking with coach Jim Fleming be on the lookout for that interview and also at Bryant uh talking with coach Perry but I was rooting for a closed game we got a closed game. Always. And this this governor's cup is always a classic, man. And and it's good when both teams are competitive and both teams are good. And and Brown, quite honestly, for their offense to really get off the mat this week and, and put together some good drives and put together a, a good sustained drive to put points up on the board, that was a close game. They they had issues with the running back of Rhode Island and uh, Harold Goodwin. And he's a really good player, dynamic player. And so I think Both teams are still good. It'll be interesting to see how Brown contends in the Ivy League as they get into the meat of their conference play.
0: Absolutely. Big game in the Pioneer League. Campbell not only shuts out Moorhead State 38-0, three separate running backs with over 100 yards rushing, and Montel Goods, first career start, 27 carries, 193, and three scores. That's
1: how you make an impact right off the bench. And listen, you mentioned that running game. Normally I'm I'm biased to the running back position. I'll go there and be like, (laughs) oh, that's great, great job, brother. But – Campbell's defense, yeah. the shutout. Moorhead State has offense. They can put points up on the board. They can move the football. They spread you out and are able to attack you vertically down the field. So shout out to the Campbell's defense, and and that bodes well for them moving on into conference play. Moorhead put up
0: 34 the week before in an in-conference game as, as well. Um, let's get into it, though. Let's talk about uh, some of the other storylines coming into this week, and we're going to start off with I don't think anybody thought we were going to be talking about Austin P at this point in the season the rise of Austin P last year winless you know, played a lot of young guys maybe a few you know a little bit of hope here and there but they're now 3 and 2 they're undefeated in the OVC they just got a
1: win over Tennessee Martin 7 to nothing Austin P where has this come from defense man and and listen they've only given up 7 points 77 points uh out of conference Seven points in conference, and they're two and zero in conference. They're three and two on the season, like you said. They they have won three straight games, and you can make a case if if those out there that are Austin P fans watch that Cincinnati ball game in Week One, they had a chance to beat the Bearcats. So this football team is a real good football team, and they're in a very tough conference because you mentioned UT Martin, who is just coming off an outstanding game against Tennessee State. That was a big win for the program. Exactly, it yeah. kind of catapulted them into the top 25 in the stats, top 25. And you also look at uh, their offense, Troy Cook. I love his play at quarterback. They have really good defense. They did not score against Austin P. So, I mean, talk about the governors and talk about how they got off the mat as a program. Because if you remember last year, this was a program that also had an issue with their field. I want to say half the field collapsed in yeah, the corner yeah. of the end zone. It was weird. Um, I remember that because I made a joke about it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, man, there's everything could go wrong with this program. But shout out to those guys getting it done, second year in the system. You shut out a UT Martin squad. I mean, when you're Austin Peay, Yeah, that's big time.
0: Absolutely. And Will Healy has done a tremendous job. Really good job. Uh, with this program. He's his second year there. And he's clearly changed the culture. It's going It took a little time last year. There were some rough patches, some growing pains. But as you said, I mean, they almost knocked off Cincinnati. They played two FBS opponents right out of the gate with Cincinnati and Miami Miami University of Ohio. Um, but I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule. They got Jacksonville State coming up this week. Then they got Tennessee State after that. I mean, this is a this is a tough conference. But right now they're at the top of it. Where if they can stay there, we don't know. Uh, and they still have one, or, one more FBS opponent, too. They have got uh, Central Florida coming up in October, uh, hopefully if UCF can get their program back together with the hurricane damage mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But um, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how long Austin – I don't know if Austin P will stay here at this point going forward this season with how low they were last year. They are getting much better. Uh, but I, I just don't know how long they're going to stay there.
1: What was point. the score in that Miami-Ohio game? They lost 31-10. to 10. Thirty-one ten in Miami, Miami of Ohio. The Redhawks put together. Uh, they, they have really good offense. The Bearcats have a really good offense, and they kind of put the kibosh on those guys for a while in that ball game. Yeah, we'll find out a lot about their their team defensively against Jacksonville State. Can they stop the run? Uh, we and I'm saying this as they shut down the running game of UT Martin, who has a really good running back, one of the top rushers in the FCS. So, Absolutely. um, I, you know it's what a difference a year makes, and it's not yeah. just for them. I mean, you look at a team like Columbia, three yeah. and Al Bagnoli, second year in in Manhattan, turned around his Lions program. So Austin, I mean, Coach Will Healy, the recruiting class. It is funny because it work. It kind of works in, in in stages. Last year we talked yeah. about Columbia having one of the top recruiting classes in the FCS, and it's and they played a lot of freshmen. And it's no surprise this year that they're having success, but they look real good. Last year, uh, you know, uh, Will Healy's first season with the Governors. And this year, people talked about Austin Peay as one of the top recruiting classes in the FCS. And we're seeing that play out right now, instant dividends on that investment. Absolutely. And, I mean, let's transition from that.
0: And we'll talk about, you know, obviously they had their struggles last year. A ton of teams having struggles this year. A ton of teams that are still winless. We're going into week six. This is where you kind of hit the panic button a little bit, but you got some names here that – you wouldn't really expect to be winless. You look at places like Cal Poly, Delaware State, Lehigh, uh, Tennessee Tech, a lot of teams struggling. Is this just more teams being better, or is it just a, you know, a regular cycle of teams going out and getting to do classes?
1: You know what? It's interesting because you look at this list, and there's a bunch of teams that are winless. And usually around this time you have maybe three to five winless teams, yeah. right? I feel like we have 15 here on this list, and it's and you mentioned Lehigh. That's the most surprising to me because they can score. Yeah. Um. And you think at some point, okay, you don't, you don't have defense, you'll outscore some people, but they can't outscore people because they're giving up so much <laughs> defensively. Yeah. So it's embarrassing. But I'm surprised they are winless. Um. Another winless team that I'm surprised about, Cal Poly, you mentioned. They're usually a bugaboo for FBS teams. I want to say they beat one last year. I think they did. It was
0: either last year or the year before they knocked off somebody in the FBS.
1: Because of their option game. And and they were in the playoffs last year. So I'm surprised they are winless. Uh, You also look at a team like, who else on this list? Indiana State. And they're a unique case because they got blown out by Tennessee. Expected. But all the other games against FBS. CS opponents, they lost by two points here, yeah. maybe a point there. They lost 42-41 to Liberty, Yeah, you know, and so they're unique. They're probably better than the rest of the field at Owen, whatever they are, uh, but Lehigh has to be the most shocking to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually I wrote down a couple teams here off this list who I think could get wins this week. Lehigh is one of them. They're at Colgate this week. Colgate not having a great year either. Um, another team I'm looking at Gardner Webb. I mean, they've got obviously an, a D two opponent this week. So if they don't win that one, right,
1: then, then they, they got problems <laughs> out there. Bigger problems spring, right.
0: than, than that. Um, and also Morgan State, I think, is another team that can get a win this week against South Carolina State. Interesting matchup there. But again, two teams that have struggled a bit. I think Morgan State finds their feet this week. What do you think? Who gets well, off the map?
1: Well, here's the thing with Morgan State, I, and I was high on Morgan State going into the season. You know, I spent time down there with Coach Fred Ferry, the head coach. They brought in a new uh, quarterback, I- Elijah Staley, from Mississippi State, the big 6'7 transfer. For the first three weeks of the season, they hadn't scored a point. Yeah. So they were shut out three straight weeks. And I was on that broadcast for the Towson-Morgan State game. And they you saw, okay, this is when the, the, the offense is going to get rolling. This is when they're going to push the ball into the end zone. Yeah. And it never happened. It was self-inflicted wounds. So I'm shocked that they are not uh, – I'm shocked that they're unde- uh, winless – but also their offense is sputtering because I think their defense is really good. And you're right, this game against South Carolina State on a Friday night um, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, that's going to be that's a huge game for Morgan State because if their offense can't get off the mat, uh, we saw South Carolina State give North Carolina A&T some problems last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Uh, so they seem to have found their quarterback. Can he find a running game? Will he have success against the Bears' defense? We 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 don't. I mean, I, we shall see. Uh, but this is a huge game for this Bears football team. They go down there and lose or lose in a bad way. It could get ugly. They, you're gonna see like wholesale changes. I'm not talking yeah. about coaching changes, but uh, the whole lineup just lineups. Yeah, yeah, lineup. They hey, we got to get new new guys in there and, and see what we could, uh, do to, to turn this thing around. Absolutely. Got to get
0: something going. Again, folks, this is the Football Game Plan, FCS Opening Drive, brought to you by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and follow Emery at FBall game plan. And don't forget to follow us and give us that five-star rating on iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcasts. We're on there as well. Let's get into the award season. We're getting into that. We're only five weeks in. It's time to pick out some favorites Looking at the Walter Payton, we're looking at the Buck Buchanan, the Jerry Rice Award winners. There's a whole bunch of guys on here. We gotta start though with the dual threat guy from Alcorn State, Delance Turner, who really is turning some heads. I think he could he's looking like a guy you could see on a Sunday afternoon
1: sometime in the future. Well he has the size. He's six one, two fourteen. Um he's a senior, so he's on a radar. And with his play, you have to start respecting his game. Second most rush yards in school history last week. Uh, against – or two weeks ago against Southern, 272 yards rushing. You know, and Southern's defense has a pro prospect in Aaron Tiller. So I'm surprised they ran through Southern like that. And last week against Texas Southern, he had uh, 115. So they're starting to slowly turn it around. Uh, We've been waiting for someone out that side of the division to step up and and play big ball because all we talked about is grambling all year long in the SWAC. But Alcorn, once again, this would be, I want to say, their third year running being the class of the East Division, yeah. So now they have a running game. We know their quarterback Lenoris Footman is going. To, he's going to get it right. Um, their offensive line is good. They have a huge game this week as well. So he's one that definitely could find himself uh, in the conversation. He's in the conversation now, but could be a serious player for the Walter Payton. And give me a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield any day of the week. He's got three touchdowns running, three
0: touchdowns receiving. Gotta love that if you're a pro coach looking for somebody who can make an impact on your team. Let's move to uh, the Elon Phoenix. We keep talking about him week after week. There's a reason. Malcolm Summers, I mean, the junior from Bain, North Carolina, has really
1: shocked some people. And he's the guy that is one of the top rushers in the FCS. You know, and and here's the thing about Elon. Last year, we talked about this football team as one that, uh, you know, was probably a doormat in the CAA this year. Kurt Signetti, we talked about him last podcast and how well he's done so far in his first season uh with the Phoenix. But Summers has been impressive, man. And again, when you're one of the FCS leaders, I think he's top three in in the FCS as far as rushing is concerned. And a big reason why they're they're winning, they're four and one. Uh yeah, and coming from a power conference, the CAA, yeah, he's on the list. Absolutely. Let's move to out west now.
0: Jake Meyer, the sophomore quarterback from UC Davis, who's really turning some heads, already got 12
1: touchdowns with the air this this season. I mean, last week versus North Dakota. Now, granted, North Dakota is without uh, Cole Reyes, I believe, one of their premier – not Cole Reyes, uh, Deion's – I forgot his – I know his first name is Deion. Deion Harris, (laughs) I believe. Yeah. Um, He's the cornerback, 6'3 corner. He's gone for the year, uh, torn ACL. They lost him, I want to say, in preseason practice. But they still – have a really good defense. Cole Reyes is a pro prospect, safety prospect out there. Um, I said all that to say this: Meyer went thirty-three of thirty-eight, four hundred and fifteen yards, four touchdowns, no picks, eighty-six percent of his passes completed, and tossing the football around the yard pretty well uh, all season long. And he's one. He's going to be a high variance guy, six feet two hundred so he's gonna gonna put it up there he's gonna make some bad throws but he's gonna make some good ones and he's made more good ones than bad ones so far this season 12 touchdowns only five picks 71 percent completion percentage and 9.7 yards in attempt and when you look at him being meshed with head coach Dan Hawkins out there in his first year has this team turned around you gotta you gotta be impressed with what he's doing and they and they love quarterbacks uh the Walter Payton Award, so yeah. he's definitely going to be one of the guys that they talk about in the midst of the Briscoes and guys like that. Always goes to the quarterbacks. Always. On Always. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, though, real quick. Let's talk about Emmanuel O'Lengon, and
0: this is a guy that not many people will probably know because he's playing in the Pioneer. He's playing for Campbell, redshirt sophomore. This guy has lit it up from the defensive end position, and he's got the signs that he
1: can be a real problem for any offensive lineman. Yeah, he might be the league leader – or not league leader, the nation's leader in TFLs, I believe. He's got 10 tackles for loss. That's ridiculous for a freshman. And also, so he that will put him in line for probably the Jerry Rice Award, obviously, as, as the top freshman. Yep. Um, but the Buck Buchanan yep. as the best defensive player. I mean, it's rare that a freshman will get it. Um, there's a bunch of defensive guys that are probably – uh, end up being that that player. I know Colgates Pat Afrier came back uh, last week and he's one of those guys that was a preseason favorite for that award. But yeah. uh Olinga as a freshman, my goodness. I mean <laughs> yeah. lead the nation in tackles for loss. Usually freshmen have issues as far as making a jump from high school, especially along the line of scrimmage from high school just the strength. Exactly. Of it. And you you're going up against guys that have, have experience, that are older, that are stronger and you're dominating. So he's been impressive. I mean, the guy's got the size. He's six four, two fifty. That's ridiculous. This is not a this is not a
0: young kid. This is not a small guy. And he's got six and a half sacks, by the way. That's
1: see. That's what I'm saying. Cause that's unreal. You don't, you don't have that. First of all, he's a legit 6'4", 250. Yeah. Coming out of high school, that's, <laughs> and ended up at Campbell. That's a man. That's a great right. That's a man. That's a great <laughs> job recruiting too, um, by by the Campbells. But a freshman defensive end causing havoc like that. uh, listen, it wouldn't surprise me to see him on both lists this this
0: postseason. And to look on the watch because they are moving to the Big South next year. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on to Gardner-Webb, though. Their linebacker, the senior Kenyatta Dunbar,
1: who's having a tremendous year. Yeah, and they need him to have an even more tremendous year, if that makes sense, because they're (laughs) one of the winless teams. Exactly. So I know he's racked up a lot of tackles, and and we love tackles over here because he and and Brett Taylor out of Western Illinois – um, two guys that, that do a great job of finding the football. And, and a lot of times people look at tackle stats and tend to say, like, oh, well, he's just he making tackles five yards down the field. That's not the case with Dunbar. And if you're making tackles, that tells me you're always around the ball. Yeah. And I want you to be always around the ball, especially if you're a linebacker. And so he's been the lone bright spot on that football team. And keep in mind, they lost a guy last year in Chad Jeter, who was one of the best linebackers in the country. And so they get Dunbar in there to step up and make plays. And that was a strength last year for the for the uh, running Bulldogs, their linebacking core, and to lose guys at that level and to have a guy like Dunbar step up and and provide that leadership and that production speaks
0: volumes. Absolutely. Let's move on to another linebacker who's making a name for himself, and you mentioned his name, Brett Taylor out of Western Illinois, the senior from Maycomb, uh, Illinois, actually. 6'2", 230,
1: he's got the size, and he's around the ball all the time. He's a local guy too, man. So that was a big-time find for the Leathernecks getting the guy to stay yeah. home and – and uh, contribute to the program. He may leave Western Illinois as the best linebacker in program history. Mm -hmm. So that says a lot about that program. It says a lot about what he's been able to do. They play in the Missouri Valley Conference, so you know they get tested with the running game. Um, And I like how he's been able to grow into a better guy in pass coverage. So he can do it on both ends. He's one of the best FCS draft prospects this year, and I'm glad to see him get out there and and go – balls out once again to the senior you know uh, and yes. he may end up in a postseason all-star game too absolutely and let's talk about one other linebacker that again we're going back to elon warren messer who's had a tremendous year for elon defense and running game has been the call and call for the phoenix and and messer is another one a guy that has racked up a lot of tackles but productive tackles yeah and we talk elon we talk defense they held uh who he played last week Elon uh, beat Albany last beat week 6-0. And Albany does a great job running the football. Albany's offensive line is huge. Yeah. And for Messer to be a factor versus the running game, and we know that's what you have to do to beat Albany, stop the run, make them try to throw the football. Elon did that. They couldn't have success. They win that ball game. Messer and their running back Summers are big reasons why Elon is good this year. And what I love about Messer, if I'm a pro coach too, you got tackles for loss, he's got a
0: sack, and he's got a pick. As a linebacker, you love to see that ability to track all parts of the game at that position.
1: Hey, he's filling up the stat sheet, and exactly. that's what you want to see.
0: Exactly. Two other guys we want to talk about real quick, and let's talk about the Monmouth running back, Pete Guerrero, local kid from
1: Lindhurst, New Jersey, who's really been a force for Monmouth in the running game this year. And he's a freshman, so he's in yeah. line for that Jerry Rice Award. And I, I did the broadcast last week, uh, Monmouth Bucknell game. And so I got to see Guerrero early in the game because he went out with a knee injury. Um, got hit on the side of his knee. I think he's going to be fine, but he, you know, he obviously was dinged up in that game and didn't play. And another guy came in and, and ran all rough shot over Bucknell. So they ran over, over Bucknell. But prior to that game, Guerrero was the leading rusher on that football team as a freshman. And he's probably going to be healthy this week, or maybe in another week or two. But he's a guy that you want to keep an eye on because he has speed and quickness. He gets to the outside. Uh, before you even realize where the ball is. So yeah. I love his, his vision, I love his quicks and his burst. Um he's gonna be good and, and Calvin McKnight we talked about earlier, a guy out of Sanford. Um he's there they lost three of their top four receivers. The one returning was McKnight and yeah. he's paying dividends. Exactly. It's stepping
0: up nine touchdown catches
1: so far this season. Again, folks, this is the
0: FCS opening drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Dave Hasigan here with Emory Hunt, Lazar of the playbook. Let's get into uh before we go to our break overrated versus underrated and there's always this is always going to cause controversy we know that you know what deal with it it's fine let's start with some players though that are underrated in your opinion that do not get the respect
1: well when you're talking underrated you're talking about you know a team that you know uh players or guys that don't get the hype or you know um people are not talking enough about which is always key so there's a bevy of players we can go with in this in this we can go in this direction or, or any direction with this this particular um topic. But one guy I mentioned last week, but I've been impressed with him because he's a sophomore is Kirk Rollins. I know I said I think I I call him uh I probably call him Kevin or something like that. Kevin last, or Kyle or something. Yeah Kyle like I think that. I said Kyle last week. <laughs> something like that. It's Kirk. And again that's how underrated he is. I messed his name up. It's Kirk Rollins. <laughs> um the the fact that he has Yale Playing lights out. I'm talking about Yale offense hasn't looked this explosive since um, a couple of seasons ago when they had a quarterback that transferred from uh, Clemson. I forget his name, but he was a really good quarterback, Morgan Roberts. And yeah. so when you look at Rawlings right now leading the, the Ivy in, in, you know the passing game and has his team undefeated, has them set up for a big game this week against Dartmouth, um, I don't think – I don't think people give the Ivy League enough credit for the yeah. style of football, and Rawlings as a sophomore is doing a phenomenal job in what he's doing. Also, the quarterback, and I, obviously, it's easy for me to go back and mention the game I just was at, but uh, Kenji Bahar, the quarterback of Mammoth, yeah, I was impressed with his his. He's another sophomore, um, and he was playing opposite of a sophomore in uh, Bucknell's quarterback. But it was two completely different games. Like, Bucknell's QB looked rattled. Bahar looked calm, collected. He was in control. He reminds me a lot of P.J. Walker that played at Temple last year that's now with the Indianapolis Colts. Just a a calm presence. Great passer in the pocket. Good decision maker. Him and Kurt Rawlins are, are playing some phenomenal football. And Rawlins' stats, I have it pulled up here. Only 602 yards, 620 yards passing. But six touchdowns, two interceptions, 76%. Of his passes complete, so he's playing efficient football and distributing the football to a lot of different targets, and he's protecting the ball.
0: Mom is always an underrated program too. They always have, have a couple of guys on there that you can say, "Okay, I see, I see what you're doing there." Let's talk about some other programs that, that are underrated. There's quite a few that we could mention. I mean, you look at Weber State as one of those for me. South Dakota, even,
1: uh, obviously with their injuries. But who do you have as like some of your underrated programs for the season? Oh, that's a good question. I think underrated for the. Uh, So far this season, I I like to go in the Pioneer League and give Campbell some props. Yeah. Um, Again, we know they're moving out next year, but we talked about this last episode where the Pioneer, you're really only talking about San Diego, um, Butler, uh, Drake and Dayton, maybe, you know, and now you're talking about Campbell. Yeah. And Campbell has been playing well, so you have to give them props. They're very underrated. Nichols is underrated as well. Uh, The Colonels probably could be sitting at four and one. Really, yeah. um, five and zero. Oh. They had Texas A&M on the ropes too. Yeah, they did. And so it, Texas A&M had to win that one late. Uh, so I, I say those two are very underrated programs, and I just think those two, those two programs are usually the the ones that are toward the end of the standings in the conference. Yeah. But this year they're near the top. They're competitive. They're good. Those are two very underrated programs. And Hampton too. Hampton Hampton could have beaten Monmouth. Yeah. And so Hampton, I think everyone is waiting for them to get back to prominence. We've seen Howard yeah. this year upset UNLV and they're they've been a the talk of the Miac, but Hampton quietly has put together a solid season.
0: Absolutely. Any teams that you see
1: that are overrated this year? Oh, we can go I mean, listen. <laughs> <laughs> but but but, it, but it's sad because yeah. overrated means and, and here's the thing, before people hit up the comments section and say, Oh yeah. You can over- hear them typing already. Oh my god. They they're they're, they're they're already ready. It's sitting <laughs> in the drafts and ready just to hit send. Um and even though they they, I think people rate this team high because of name alone and reputation. But when you talk about overrated teams, you tend to go to Big Sky Conference. Yeah, you tend to look at uh, Montana. Montana has been overrated uh, since I won't say the last two seasons. Yeah, you know because of everyone talks, everyone likes the idea of Montana um, because they are so good, they are so dominant. But the play hasn't been that. The last two seasons, right? Yeah. Uh, so I would say Montana is overrated. Uh, Eastern Washington this year ha- has been a bit overrated. Yeah. Um, I think everyone thought they were going to be the team to upset the FBS opponent first in week one against Texas Tech, and he got blasted. Yeah. Um, but, they, but they're but they
0: replacing Cooper Cup, though, so that's a big and, loss.
1: Uh, they're, they're also replacing uh, Bourne, the receiver. I want to say uh, Emmanuel Bourne. They, they lost their top three receivers. Yeah, They lost Samson, Ebicom on defense. But I think people still had them rated high going into – we had them rated high going into the season. Uh, but they, they have been overrated. So I think the Big Sky Conference has two overrated teams in there. And now we're starting to see Eastern Washington get off the mat. Uh, Montana won last week, so we'll see. But I think going into the season, people had teams like Montana in the top five. And, uh, I mean, you look in the CAA, you had teams like – um richmond in the top five i get it richmond is right northern iowa same way northern iowa is another one that always gets overrated yeah um so i don't know man like those are the three teams i think were overrated yeah i mean well let's get to conferences too
0: i I mean there's gotta be one overrated conference that we have to throw in and that's the patriot league we just i mean I, (laughs) I, i i hate throwing them under the bus week after week Show us something. Because I mean, we looked at the standings. There's not a single team over five hundred.
1: At all, man. And it's (laughs) and it's a bad look for the conference because last year, I want to say you had two teams in a playoffs coming from the Patriot League. Yeah. Um, but this year you won't you you only will get the one, the automatic bid. Yeah. And who is going to win that is anyone's guess. Right now, as far as conference standings, Lafayette is number one in a conference. And they're one and four (laughs) overall. So you know, exactly. the top team is two and three. There's three teams that are two and three. Bucknell is coming off. Uh, again, it it was maybe it's recency bias, but they didn't look good last week against Mammoth. Mammoth really owned them on both yeah. sides of the line of scrimmage. So, so Holy Cross, Colgate, Bucknell are the teams that are two and three. um, I think Holy Cross probably has the best chance to come out of this yeah, and, and make it, but they look bad the last two weeks as well. So, and not surprising that it led to two losses. So, Patriot League as a conference has been overrated, and also the SWAC. Mm, yeah. Um, the MEAC, we we know the MEAC is usually two to three teams. Yeah. But they've been competitive top to bottom. Right. You know, and the SWAC has just been terrible. Alabama State is one team that that has been overrated a lot going into a season. Right. They're dirt terrible. They're one of the winless teams. <laughs> Valley is one of the winless teams. Jackson State, and uh, and Coach Hughes has done a great job with what he has on his plate there. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of moving pieces. They, you know, there's a lot that has gone on since the spring. Um, so he's trying to stabilize that program. So they're a shocker because they're usually one of the top teams in the conference. They're 0-5. Um, Southern is 2-3, is and three, and Southern is usually chan- challenging Grambling for the top spot. Yeah. And Texas Southern is 0-4. So uh that conference came in with a lot of fanfare, a lot of pub, you know, coming off the celebration bowl, Grambling won the Black College National Championship. But people forget it's just Grambling and everybody else in their conference.
0: Absolutely. I think when it comes to underrated conference, I think you have to look at the Ivy League, though. Right. And I I mean you look at Columbia is undefeated right now. Dartmouth's undefeated. Yale's look good. Princeton, I mean, they're usually the power in this conference. They just lost last week. Brown's at 2 and 1, I believe. This whole conference, I mean you never look at them because they aren't eligible. They don't go to the playoffs. So you never know what they're capable of. But every team, top to bottom, is competitive this
1: year in the Ivy. You know you know why? National recruiting base. Yeah. You know, so they can go. And if you look at their rosters, you see multiple guys from California. Mm-hmm. You see multiple guys from Texas, all over the country. Um, when you have a national recruiting base, you're going to get some of the top talent across the board to come in. Yeah. And we talked about how last year Columbia had the top recruiting class Howard is always talked about as being one of the top recruiting class. Head coach, Tim Murphy does a great job in developing guys that he has on the roster. Dartmouth is one that is, has done a great job routinely in replacing key players. Um, last year, their defense was down. Now their defense looks dominant and coach Buddy Stevens has done a great job with that program as well. Yale played a lot of freshmen. Tony Reno did a great job recruiting. Yeah. Now that's paying off. Um, you know, Coach Estes at Brown, and we know about Coach uh, Peori at uh, Penn and, and Coach Sarace at Princeton. So, right now, everybody's just waiting for Cornell to get off the mat. Uh, Cornell is winless, but Cornell usually has a competitive squad. So, I think their national recruiting base has really stockpiled talent in the Ivy League. And, and if they were to compete in the playoffs, we've seen how they've done out of conference.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So,
1: you know. They've done well out of conference this year, which tells you how strong they are, you know, as a team. Yale beat the brakes off Lehigh. Yeah, you know, Lehigh is one of the top teams I believe talent-wise in the Patriot League, so or in the FCS. You can't argue that they're not talented offensively. Hell, they got two pro prospects at yeah. wide receiver and a good quarterback in Brad May. So we've seen this, and at some point, either the Ivy League will join the playoffs or create a bowl game scenario like the Celebration Bowl, yeah, or play something like that, they've already flirted it out there. Like, hey, we love a bowl game against this. They even said, went this far. They said, we would love to compete in a bowl game in Florida against a lower-tier FBS school. So Ooh. they've set the parameters and called out <laughs> this. So they already know they have talent. Okay. They already know they they can compete. So it'll be interesting to ride. But I, I, I do agree with you with the Ivy League being uh, one of the under. I would also toss in um, – the Big South this year. Yeah, absolutely. Very underrated. Monmouth, Kennesaw State, Liberty before they went on that two-game losing streak. And Charleston Southern quietly has gotten off the mat. Yeah. Won two straight games. And Presbyterian, they don't beat themselves. They're disciplined. They're going to be in every ball game. Um They're a tough football team to, to play. Um, they may not have the talent overall or as much of talent as everyone else has, but they – will be a hard opponent so i think the big south and the ivy league are two underrated conferences absolutely folks we're going to take a quick break here on the podcast
0: we'll get back to it in a minute we got some a couple more early games to talk about we got some nfl prospects and we got some really interesting games coming up this week that we're going to talk about again this is the fcs opening drive podcast with me david Hassagan, and emory hunt we'll be back after this quick break
2: so you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers. These are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19.
1: What is the purpose of trash talking?
0: Man, the purpose is, you know, if you can get in the guy's head, go for it. Sports Mac Radio, Jacob Higgins on MESN, Metropolitan Entertainment, and Sports Network. Tune in every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at MESNradio.com for the best sports talk, period. Sports Mac delivers you the 411 on everything sports, from football, basketball, to baseball, plus all of your fantasy sports updates. Are you up for the challenge to battle my knowledge? Well, if you are, bring it style 609 910 0687 Sportsback Radio Best in Sports Period
1: I don't even know your name but you know mine
0: life just got easier if you're hungry or plan on being hungry deliverynow.com has the easiest and best way to get great food delivered now order online or by phone from your favorite restaurants all in one place deliverynow.com delivery is fast and friendly once you place your order with deliverynow.com all you have to do is sit back and relax we'll take care of the rest great restaurants great food easy ordering and great professional delivery deliverynow.com you deserve it great today again folks you are listening right now to the fcs drive opening podcast here on presented by the connecticut school of broadcasting i am david Hassing with emory hunt we got a lot to talk about but remember you can follow us everywhere go to footballgameplan.com fcs kickoff Go to iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcast, and don't forget to go to youtube.com slash Plan for the FCS Conference Whip Around, which is now on FCS Stats. Don't forget to check that out as well. Emery, let's get into what we got coming up. Um, before we get into next, we get into a couple games early on before the weekend starts off. It starts
1: on Thursday. Interesting game between Alcorn State against Alabama State in the SWAC. Well, here's a chance for Alabama State to get off the mat. They're 0-5. They're looking like the worst team or second-worst team in the East Division. Um, I think Mississippi Valley State has that title sewn up as the, the worst team. They've only scored – Valley has only scored 23 points this season. Yeah. But Alabama State has only scored 27. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> now they're facing a team in Alcorn that – Winners of two straight, and and we talked about this. They could have beaten Florida International. They probably should have beaten them. And they could have beaten McNeese State, who is one of those perennial powers in the FCS. This game has the potential to get ugly. So if you're Alabama State, this is the chance to really turn your season around. Yes. You have to come out and play great football. They haven't scored. They got shut out last week. Um, and they haven't scored in conference. So this is an issue. Coach Brian Jenkins is a great coach, as evident as what he did at Bethune-Cookman, built a perennial power mm-hmm. in yep. the MIAC. Everyone thought it would translate over here at Alabama State. Now, he got there. He had some success. But they hadn't gone to a SWAC title game. Yeah. It has been all corn the last three years. Yeah. This is a huge game. This is a pivotal game for the Hornets. I don't think they can win it, but this is a pivotal game for them.
0: I mean, they are coming off a, a tight loss to Kennesaw State two weeks ago. Only lost 20-14. to 14. They are coming off a bye week, so you know he's going to have them focused. And it's going to be up to guys. It's, I mean, you're facing DeLance Turner on the other side. That's going to be tough enough as it is. But you need leadership on the defensive side of the ball. Guys like a Darren Johnson uh, needs to step up. 21 tackles. He's got two, three, and a half for, three and a half tackles for loss, I believe, and a sack. You need more of that, and you need that from everybody. So it's up to the players, I think, to set an example there. Um, you want to turn the season around, it's on you uh, In a lot of cases there. Let's move on to Friday though. Big game in the MEAC in Orangeburg, South Carolina, Morgan state travels to take on SC state. What do you like in this one?
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, Cause again, Morgan state scored their first points last week. Yeah. Which was only 17. Yeah. Right. And their offensive line is good. Their defense is really good. So it is mind blowing that they can't yeah. score. And, they have good skill players. Yeah. I love their running game. They have two good running backs out there. Um so Herb Walker Jr is back. You know, so I don't I don't get this. And this so you're still waiting for them to figure it out and be successful. So this is another pivotal game for them. I think the defense will be a big reason why they could have success here. Yeah. And they're scoreless. they're scoreless, though, in the first half. That, like, they have not scored in the first half of the game.
0: But you talk about their defense. I think this is going to be a, a big matchup to watch is how do they handle DeWan Ford. And I think that you got to look at Rico Kennedy as that guy on the defensive side of the ball who's got six-and-a-half tackles for loss, two-and-a-half sacks. And when you're facing a dual threat like Dewan Thor- Ford,
1: that's going to be a key matchup to watch is how they shut them down. And Jai Franklin, uh, number 55, the nose tackle. Uh, he can play any one of the three defensive line spots. Mm-hmm. He's uh, 6'1", 290, 295, something like that. Uh, he's a big-time playmaker. And, they, again, they're strong up front. Yeah. they This game could be an interesting one because all things point to Morgan State getting blown out. But I think we're going to see a real competitive game on Friday. Because South Carolina
0: State's not blowing away anybody with their
1: offense. either. Exactly. They're only averaging 21
0: points per game. They're only allowing 17. So, I mean, they've got solid defense as well. This is either going to end up like 45 <laughs> right. nothing, or like 10-6. 10-6, it's, right. It's just going to be – it's one or the other. There's no middle ground. Those are the early games. Again, folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive podcast brought to you by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Let's move on to some NFL prospects to watch this week, and we're going to go back to Monmouth talking about their senior
1: O-lineman, Alex Thompson. Yeah, here's the thing. Last week versus Bucknell uh, was a great game to watch from a scouting perspective because Bucknell has a pro prospect up front in Abdullah Anderson, a defensive tackle. He played primarily over Alex Thompson. Mammoth ran rough shed over that Bison defense. Yeah. Primarily down the A-gap, right behind Thompson over Anderson. Yeah. So all of that said, Thompson looked like a man last (laughs) week. Uh, I've never (laughs) seen someone just really stonewall. Every time they ran up the middle – he was able to lock and then turn the defensive back and create a huge lane for the running back. And it was maybe eight to ten times that game. Yeah. Running back had at least, you know, seven to 15 yards coming right behind Thompson. So they're going to love his ability. He's He doesn't have the longest arm. So you, yeah. at 6'4", 300, so he's not going to play tackle. He's got the guard size. He's though. got the guard size, and he's showing you here he can play center. Yeah. So keep an eye on him. And and Pat Afriye from Colgate – Here's, he was the ECAC Defensive Player of the Year last year right? and was injured coming into the season, You know, just a minor injuries. He played in week one, then missed a couple of weeks, got hurt. So he missed that uh, Richmond game, which was huge for them. Yeah. They could have beaten Richmond. Um, but he's back last week and instantly made his presence felt, getting the sack, TFL and things like that. But a free year, 6'2", 240, probably going to be that outside linebacker uh, as a pro. He's a defensive end for, for Colgate. One thing I know about the Raiders and, and Coach Dan Hunt is that they do a great job of developing guys. Right. So to watch a Afriye come in as a freshman and constantly get better or consistently get better, and he has a chance now to put together a, a good stretch of games to get into one of these postseason all-star games. Now, it may not be the Senior Bowl, but it may be the NFL PA game. It may be the East-West Shrine game, but he has draftable talent. Yeah. and is and should be able to play in one of these all-star games. Absolutely. And let's move now to Florida
0: A&M. And m and you got a pair of wide receivers that you're looking at that could be playing on Sundays, Chavis Murphy
1: and Brandon Norwood. What do you like from both of these guys? Well, Different so kind of players? Different kind of players. Norwood is more explosive. Right. Um, and Norwood plays on the outside. Uh, he's a guy that he's been their big play threat. Um, he's been the name player that we came into the season looking for and, and looking to watch. So he's always been on our radar, and he's been good. Chavez Murphy stepped up last week uh, and showed his value against North Carolina Central. He plays in a slot. And I say that because I'm setting up why it's, it's intriguing? He's 6'6 210. So normally people think of slot receivers, they think of shorter guys. Yeah, 5'10, 5'11-ish. Five,
0: five, five, can, you know, hit the little post route if right. you need him to. 6'6. Six, 6'6. Six. Six, six, That's 210. a dangerous man. That's right a
1: dangerous there. man, man. So he has. <laughs> He has a chance to continue to grow his game. I think he can fill out his frame to about yeah. two thirty, because um, he's wiry built. But I can see, and you look at the hips of a guy, and you can see, okay, he can he can add weight, yeah. and I think he can get up to two thirty five, you know, or two thirty, which will make him a pseudo flex tight end. I was about to say, yeah, tight end at the next level, definitely. Exactly. So you you look at him and you look at his game against North Carolina Central. He had a really good game, and you see development prospect. Murphy is a guy that you want to keep an eye on but Norwood is the, is the playmaker. Absolutely. Let's move on into week 6 and
0: we said well, there's a lot of interesting matchups here. You got a bunch of winless teams going against powerhouses, but we're starting off with an interesting game and you mentioned Presbyterian before when we talked about the Big South. They're at home hosting a team that you've had in close to your top 10 the last couple weeks and that is Saint Francis. They're hosting them at Bailey Memorial. What happens in this game? Does Presbyterian have enough, you think?
1: Well, this is a game of intrigue, man. I wouldn't call it an upset special. A game of intrigue. Intrigue. It's like yeah. is, is, is unique. You know, Excellent. it's intriguing, right? So St. Yes. Uh, Francis, I've always thought, is built like a CAA team. Right? Right. So they're built a lot like Monmouth is built. Um, and they'll win this game, I believe. But we just made the point that the Blue Holes don't beat themselves. Right, it's going to be close. We'll be checking the score and, and and say, like, man, why are they not blowing this team out? Why is it still close? Look at this score, and by the end of the game, we'll see them lose by double digits. But <laughs> intrigue because St. Francis is a really good team, but Presbyterian is a well coached. Absolutely, let's move on to the next one. A big game
0: in the Patriot League, and you mentioned Pat Afriay coming back, he's going to be tested because Colgate is hosting Lehigh, who have you said talent through the roof they're 0-5, you
1: know they're going to be angry.
0: They're angry at this
1: point. Listen, I watched Lehigh's right tackle, Zach Duffy, who was a pro prospect, uh, when they played Penn. Penn has a defensive end that's a pro prospect as well, and Louis Vecchio, Stonewall Vecchio. Vecchio, you you didn't, be, you didn't even hear his name called yeah. all game long, right? So I'm interested to see if they put a free agent over Duffy or put him on the left side. Yeah. Because Duffy is a, a phenomenal blocker. He's six five, three twenty five. So that's the matchup that you want to watch, let's say from a scouting perspective, and also from a game plan perspective, because a free is their top pass rusher. Um, we'll see where they align him. As far as Lehigh's defense, which is the big story in this ball game, can they stop the run? They yep. haven't stopped the run. Yep. Print, uh Penn ran for nearly two hundred something three hundred something yards yeah. on them. So Colgate only runs like they run out they power run so either you're going to be stout or it's going to be like a kid holding a hundred pound weight it, you know it's, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to so that's one that we will learn a lot about the defensive pride of lehigh
0: yeah absolutely let's move on to another big game in the Miac. 0-4 delaware state taking on 5-0 and north carolina a and and i think a lot more people are getting their eyes opened up to this team and how good they
1: could be well, here's the thing. This is the challenge for A&T. It's not overlooked this Hornets team. Um, right. You know, they, they met their match last week. They I thought they overlooked South Carolina State a bit. Yeah. And they won a game, what, 21-7?
0: Yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was overwhelming there. It wasn't
1: overwhelming. And so this is a game where you can find yourself sleepwalking because you're supposed to beat Delaware State. Yeah. Um, just too much talent right now, This a talent disparity between the two programs. So I'm interested to see – the resolve, and the mental toughness of the Aggies. I love Lamar Renard, the quarterback. He's playing phenomenal this year. Yeah. Can they get out of the blocks quick and put the team away early?
0: Absolutely. Move to the Missouri Valley Conference now, and you mentioned Indiana State. Will they get off the mat? I don't think it's happening this week, but I might be wrong. They're at home at Terre Haute, Indiana, at Memorial Stadium, but the Bison are coming to town. North Dakota State comes in.
1: Well, here's the thing. They lost by two to Eastern Illinois. Yep. Yeah. They lost by one to Liberty. But come on. It's it, it's North Dakota State. But here's the thing. They've <laughs> beaten North Dakota State before. They beat them, I want to say, maybe last year or the year before last. So, again, it's 4-0, and, oh, oh and 4 it, On paper, it looks like, oh, this is going to be a rout. But Indiana State doesn't get blown out. And and I think this is a, a, another game of intrigue. <laughs> intrigue. I'm, I'm not calling it an upset. Closer than the experts think. Closer than the experts think. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Kurt Mallory is the head coach over there, new head coach. So he's building something successful over there in Terry Holt. I love the Sycamores um, and where they're going with with Coach Mallory. However, in this ball game, we've seen them, we've seen them play two types of games. Yep. Offensively, they yep. put up points against Liberty. Defensively, they was able to corral Eastern Illinois. Um, they're going to need both of that put it together, yeah, against North Dakota State. So. It's going to be fun to watch to see how they game plan against this Bison offense. And Easton Stick is playing lights out right now for mm-hmm. the Bison. Um, he may be another one that's in a discussion for the Walter Payton Award because he's playing some phenomenal football. And the Bison
0: away from the dome, it's always a little bit, a little bit tougher for them to get the wins on the road uh, instead of the thunder dome that they have up there in the Dakota. Unless
1: they play in Iowa State or somebody like that, then they, be, they, they show up for those <laughs> FBS road games, boy.
0: Exactly, exactly. Let's move on to the Ivy League. So competitive. There's so many big games this year. And there's two that I want to get to here, but we're going to start with Harvard at Cornell. Cornell is still winless, but you know they've got the talent on the ball. Harvard's one of the perennial powers in this league. They're at three and one. They're a little behind the eight ball to start with, but can they pick it up here in Ithaca?
1: Harvard lost to Rhode Island, right? So yeah. there's always there's a chance. Yep. Yeah. You know because they're supposed to dominate Rhode Island, but Rhode Island dominated them. And I'm a big Dalton Banks fan, quarterback of Cornell. But he has to stop throwing interceptions. Like every time I look, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to hype Dalton Banks up because I love the way he throws the football. He reminds me of Matt Stafford. But every time I check the box score, three intercepts. Like man, Dalton, can you please stop throwing picks? I'm rooting for you, man. I I, I want you to do well. But I think I think when you look at at Dalton Banks, if they protect the football, yeah, they have a they have a chance. So we'll see. That's going to be a good game.
0: Absolutely. And one other Ivy League game, we didn't have it originally on here, but i got to throw this in here, is it's going to be a phenomenal game to watch. Yale travels to Hanover to take on Dartmouth. And we saw what Dartmouth can do. They shut down Penn on the
1: road. This team's for real.
0: Is Yale for real? We're going to find out in this one.
1: Both things can be true. Yes. Right? Uh, Yale's offense is outstanding. Dartmouth's defense looks to be the best in the Ivy. So you have a strength versus strength battle. Intrigue, in <laughs> intrigue, offense, <laughs> defense. Who's gonna win? It may ultimately come down to special teams. We preview this game in the uh, in the FCS kickoffs. So yeah, you know if you want, if guys want a full fledged analysis on this ball game, go check that out. But this one will be a, a coming out party for for Yale, I believe. I think this will be the yeah. game when, even though it should have been when they beat the brakes off Lehigh. Yeah, I think people kind of tossed that aside and didn't pay too much attention to it. But if they come out and beat Dartmouth, oh wow! Look at Yale. How? But Yale is really good, man.
0: And I tell you what, that Harvard Yale game at the end of the year—it's always fun. It's always entertaining. It could be real good this year. Entry. When those <laughs> entry. <laughs> Let's move to the CAA, and we talked a lot about Elon. They're four and one. They get a real test though coming into their own stadium this week. William and Mary, the Tribe. What's going to happen in this?
1: And I listen. Head coach Jimmy Laycock is a legend. 38-year mm-hmm. coaching at William & Mary. Yeah. So he is William & Mary, yeah. basically. Um, and this is one of the, This is a game, this is a litmus test game for Elon. This is where you want to see where you are as a program because the tribe play a physical brand. They play just yeah. like Elon. They're going to run a football. They, they have a big offensive line. The defensive line is always talented. Now they are a little banged up uh, on a perimeter. Their quarterback play is, is iffy right now. They're breaking a yeah. the new quarterback. So, Elon, I think, can win this game um, or will win this game. But this is a game where you want to see them overcome the name of the team that they're playing. Yeah. You know? And and we've seen them do so so far this year, beating Richmond, yep. um, beating Albany. So, we'll see. I, I, I like Elon in that game, though. Absolutely. Let's move to the Southland. You mentioned one of the underrated teams is Nickel
0: State. They are home at Guidry Stadium, hosting Northwestern State this week. Big game uh, this one.
1: And it's a I love the Southland Conference game. And, I, again, I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, we saw a lot of Nichols on TV. Uh, Darren Barbier was a coach at the time, and Nichols was a really good program. Then he had some down years. So it's good to see Coach Rebo, who has a lot of Louisiana ties. Yeah, you know He coached at Northeast Louisiana. Or, I'm sorry, UL Monroe. Then he coached at UL Lafayette. Uh, and now he's at Nichols. So he has a ton of ties, and this game is a, a really good one because Northwestern State used to be one of those teams you talked about constantly in the Southland, and they have some pieces to cause problems for Nichols. Right. Nichols' biggest challenge in this ball game is can they get off the field? And their defense has been a, a good defense this season. Uh, Sully Leach, the defensive tackle, is a sophomore, uh, All-American candidate, a guy that could be in line for the Buck Buchanan Award as well. They're going to have their hands full. This is not a cakewalk. No, the demons are no. going down there to win that ball game, and this is going to be an entertaining game, closer than the, a lot of people think. Injury. Absolutely, Pat-
0: more intrigue. Intrigue. Uh, let's move back to the uh, the Patriot League, and it's amazing when you have one, two one and four teams facing each other that could easily win the conference, but that's what the Patriot League has gone to this <laughs> year. Uh, Fisher Stadium will be the venue in Eastern Pennsylvania. Lafayette hosts Fordham.
1: Listen, Fordham has to at some point. Where is Fordham? The Rams have lost their horn. They're obviously point. not in the Bronx. <laughs> no. that's, a wholly, that's a completely different Fordham team that we saw going into the season um, in the Patriot League. But they now you're starting to see Chase Edmonds get back into the fold. Yeah. Played last week. So he should be ready to go this week. Second game back. Lafayette showed they can overcome turnovers, which is huge. And I like the resolve they played with against Princeton. Last week, they threw three interceptions and still won the game. Yep. So, they're starting to feel themselves. They, they probably have some confidence. I think Fordham wins this game, though. I, they, they have Finally. to. Finally. Finally.
0: I mean, if they don't, what there
1: could be some serious consequences. If, after if that. They're lucky the Yankees are in the playoffs. Because <laughs> <laughs> the tension would have been on Fordham football in the Bronx. Bronx is occupied right now. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. worried about the Yankees in this one-game playoff.
0: Pinstripe vision. That's, exactly. That's all they got that's right now. That's all they got right now. Uh, One more game we want to keep an eye on here, and it's in the Pioneer League. Davidson, the Wildcats, travel to D.B. Millfield to take on the 3-1 Jacksonville side. I mean, again, San Diego's been a little bit down this year. They're starting to come back up,
1: but it's still wide open in the Pioneer. This is a critical game for both teams. You talk about intrigue. (laughs) Davidson, 2-2. And -hmm. And I like Davidson as a program. I feel like they, they eventually will get it going. But... Jacksonville has been one of those perennial powers in the Pioneer League. And yep. I think Jacksonville is going to be moving up pretty soon, too, moving out to another uh, another conference. So we'll see how they move. I know they're going to go to scholarship football, I believe, soon. Um, if I'm wrong, then let me know. But I do believe that's the talk, and I think that's going to be the movement they're going to make. It certainly looks that way. Yeah, it looks that way. And I think they're going to probably go to the Big South or something like that, which will strengthen that conference. Uh, but Davidson has to really show up to this party. Because Jacksonville, despite their week one drubbing, they have won three straight games. And now slowly inching their way back up to the top of this this, uh, Pioneer League. So this will be a big game. This is one of those games where you can't overlook and and try to look toward next week and see who you have on the schedule. But – Jacksonville has to step up and show that they can knock out a team like Davidson early.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Jacksonville is coming off a win over a D2 school in Guilford. Right. So you don't really know that. But
1: the week before. a D3 program.
0: D3 program in Guilford, even worse. But, they, I mean, they put, it, they put them away. They did what they had to. The week before, they were taken to the brink by Marist, who, again, is another team that is in the mix right now. But they only beat them 44-37. A wild game there. Davidson, they had a bye two weeks ago. They lost to Marist handily.
1: Last mm-hmm. week, so intrigue. 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 A lot of intrigue. Keep an eye on them Wildcats, man. Absolutely. Steph Curry may be at the game. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get people to show up. <laughs> um, we're almost at the end of the podcast here, but where are you going to be this weekend, Emory? What are you going to be doing? Oh, my goodness, man. Where well, i am not going to be? Uh <laughs> a busy week. Uh, tomorrow, like I said before, I'll be in, in Rhode Island at the University of Rhode Island meeting with Coach Jim Fleming. Uh, then I will also be at Bryant meeting with Coach James Perry. So I have two FBGP coaching interviews uh, football game plan, university coaching interviews and, and program spotlights that we're working on tomorrow so i'll be in rhode island and then uh this weekend I, i'll actually be on a call for uh two division two games oh, on okay. espn three so you can catch me at millersville versus east stroudsburg on espn three thursday night um friday i'll be doing some scouting at uconn they have a real good game up there uconn plays memphis Yep, get to see riley ferguson uh, and you kind of have some great talent defensively. Then Saturday, I'll be back in Pennsylvania on ESPN 3, Cutstown at Bloomsburg. So it ah, should be a good game Always so a good rivalry game. Always a good those rivalry two. game. That PSAC conference is is, uh, PSAC is is outstanding. Again, so you got Millersville and East Stroudsburg on Thursday night. And you also forget Thursday night football, watch. <laughs> I think everybody would like to at some point. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. Check out this, this millsville East Stroudsburg game. And then also check out Saturday, uh, cutstown at Bloomsburg.
0: Absolutely. And I gotta give, I gotta give my shout out, my weekly shout out to my alma mater. Springfield college is now five and zero, my friend, they were down three, nothing at the end of the first quarter against Norwich this week. They won 42 to three and we scored three touchdown passes. Option football with See, passing that, game—that's
1: the part that kills people. Because they like, okay, we got to stop the run. Okay, I got the pitch man. I got the the dive guy. I have the quarterback. Next thing you know, you forget about the receiver that's streaking downfield, <laughs> wide open, exactly. touchdown.
0: And we got—I mean, Springfield five and zero. They were one of only seven four and zero teams last week. They're on the verge of the top twenty-five. I'm on D three.
1: Come on. Well, listen. I know I, you want to get the votes. Come on. I'm gonna tell you right <laughs> now. Since you're pumping your program, let me talk about my raging Cajuns. Go right? for it. They Go were for it. they were off this week, so they, the defense did a great job. Right. They were off this <laughs> week, they didn't give up fifty points. But shout out to the Sunbelt Conference because Troy beat LSU. <laughs> Tell the yes. SEC lose our number. <laughs> they don't want to see the Sunbelt Conference, lose our number. And and the and the troll, by the way, on Twitter.
0: Loved it. Went, it's like, Thank you for inviting us to LSU to your homecoming We'll come back anytime. <laughs> Folks, this has been the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I've been David Hassagan. Emery Hunt, thank you so much. Enjoy your busy week. Try to get some sleep in the middle somewhere. And I'm gonna try to get
1: some crab cakes too.
0: Oh <laughs> you gotta get something while you're lobster. Right That's out. You what You gotta it get is. the lo- I gotta no. get lobster. You gotta pronounce it. Lobster. 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 <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. Again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, FCS Opening Drive, the FCS kickoff, and at football game plan for my man Emery. Go to www.footballgameplan.com FCS kickoff. And we are on iTunes, Football Game Plan Podcasts. And we are now on FCS stat. Check out all of our FCS whip around coverage there. We're hoping to expand this. We can't wait. We're so excited to get this going. Thank you for listening in. We'll see you next week.